1: Good Monday morning. Welcome to CNBC Special Coverage, Markets and Turmoil. I'm Carl Quintanilla at the New York Stock Exchange. Kramer's at uh, CNBC Global Headquarters. Faber has the morning off. Markets trying to price in this historic cessation of economic activity all around the world and the emergency steps by the Fed and other central banks. Futures limit down. Europe down 7 to 10. Crude oil south of 28. As you know by now... The Fed slashing rates, announcing $700 billion in asset purchases to aid the economy. Last night, Chair Powell held an emergency news conference, as he does expect a rough second quarter.
2: The second quarter is probably going to be weak, in fact, uh, in, in the view of many uh, output uh, declining, uh, output lower uh, in the second quarter than it was in the first quarter. After that, it's very hard to say how big the effects will be or how long they will last. And that's going to depend, of course, on how widely the virus spreads, which is something that is um, highly uncertain and, I would say, in fact, unknowable.
1: All right, Jim, so it's just you and me today. Let's uh, let's start broad. Let's just get your thoughts on the last 72 hours. What are you thinking right now?
2: Well, I think that the one thing that I was very worried about in the 2007-2009 issue was, could I take out $50,000 from J.P. Morgan Bank? Uh, because I was concerned and I took, it, I took money out of a lot of different bank accounts. This time I'm not. This time, what was the purpose of last night? There's a lot of minutia, and I think we're way too inside baseball here. The purpose of last night in the Fed was to make it so that you didn't have to take money out of the bank because you didn't trust the system. You don't have to go bury it, and you don't have to say, wait, wait a second, you've got to go to an ATM. That was really important. And I yeah. think that the Fed did that. Now they have to target commercial paper. They have to be ready for any problems with the mutual funds. Uh, they got the treasury, Treasuries working. Again, I mean, I can talk about, look, I'm very worried about the off-the-run fours of 2000 and X. But that's not the point. The point is, is they took care of the banking system. Now they have to take care of the working person. Now they have to take care of the businesses. And now they have obviously have to take care of these ancillary markets like commercial paper. They're, I guess what I'm saying is they're not oblivious. Uh, this is not like 2007, where I was screaming at the at the Fed to say, uh, like, do you not understand that mortgage bonds would make <laughs> it so you know, if you buy mortgage bonds, maybe we can keep mortgage rates low. They're just so, not, they're not clueless, Carl. That's my all point. Right, so they're not. Clueless. All right,
1: so if we all, every year we play that they know nothing sound with you and Aaron, everybody knows that piece of tape by now. Is your point this morning that they know something? Yes,
2: Definitely they know, something. And I think that there's a. A sense that no matter what they do, it's not enough. Well, I mean, like Dr. Fauci says, whatever we do, it's not enough. Remember, this is a biological crisis, not a financial crisis. But I do think that uh, per- Chairman Powell, who might have been critical of, uh, is ahead of the curve. And I know that that's highly unusual to be ahead of the curve. There are many arcane markets out there that are not going to be able to function well because there are a lot of hedge funds that are on the wrong side. And then there's some non-arcane markets that I am worried about. I mean, it would not help for oil to go to 20 bucks because then we'd have a lot of solvency in the issue. I'm worried about oil. I want to be sure that they focus on commercial paper. I want to be sure yep. that they understand the problems at, at, uh, b- b- at the money markets. I would point out that I spoke to the Treasury Secretary this morning, and he has a lot of what I regard as being commonsensical things that he's looking at, uh, trying to be sure that companies have a lot of liquidity. Uh, yeah. Walk us through that, because you,
1: you, you do have some talking up sure. points that you got from him. What's important? The most important thing
2: is this notion of well, let's take the idea of recession is off the table. What does it mean? I mean, obviously, there's a biological problem. Uh, When the biological problem runs its course, you'll feel like a dope, this is my interpretation, if you didn't come in and buy some things. But obviously, we're early on, as Dr. Fauci said, you kind of have to meld Dr. Fauci with uh, Fed Chief Powell and with Secretary Mnuchin to be able to come up with a picture which just says, okay, listen, uh, trying to put money in the working person's hand, the banks are going to work Uh, We're going to try to solve the biological problem, uh, but there's no, uh, I see no real issue uh, in the day-to-day banking system. I see some issue in commercial paper until they address it, and I really do worry about the oil market because that is substantial, and the oil companies don't have the liquidity, and yet they're not on the bailout list. They're not talking about the bailing out the oils because uh, that that was something they came to the nuisance.
1: Yeah. On Friday, going into the the show, your argument was, uh, Fed needs to buy us some time, as you say, to address the broader health issue. We just heard from Gottlieb, who's talking about late April, early May, in terms of peaking, that governors are taking aggressive action, that we are going to change the trajectory because of really a state-level social distancing. Nothing you said on Friday morning, you haven't been thrown off track from that
2: thesis. No, I mean, I know it's kind of tiresome but at this point. It sure wasn't last Wednesday. But flattening the curve, trying to make it so that there isn't a public health crisis, number one. Uh, obviously we're not public health people, uh, but obviously that is also something that is life or death. We've got to fix that. We don't want yeah. Italy. We want South Korea. We have different paradigms we have to avoid. I do find that people do not understand what's happening in Italy. When I say people, I mean like really good people who I wish knew what's happening in Italy. But what I come back to is to say... Uh, the 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 president and Secretary Munition's focus is to make it so that someone who's laid off gets gets paid somehow, whether it's through the small company that laid them off or whether it's from directly from the from the federal government. But that there will be liquidity uh, because they don't want all the small businesses to go under during this period while we wait for the uh, the great firms to be able to discover something. Or we wait for uh, for the flu to run its course. I mean, look, can it be a 28? Oh, boy, look at this a 1918 scenario. Uh, where it ran its course through October. I mean, that's the worst case. That's not what they're talking about.
1: No, I mean, uh, Deutsche did a nice chart over the weekend. Uh, The 1918 recession was seven months long. Right. As opposed to the Great Depression, which was 49 months. And their point is when it's an exogenous shock and it's not about fixing imbalances that are underlying in the economy. It's deep. Yes, but it's short. Yeah. And
2: that's really what's important. Uh, Yeah. you can go back. There's an excellent PBS documentary. It'll take you 45 minutes about what happened in, 19, in 1918 in the, country, in the country where the social distancing uh, cities lost half the number of people of uh, the worst case, which unfortunately was Philadelphia, where they just decided, you know what, let's just have business as usual because that's happy days are here again. It's obviously the business is happy days are here again, and they were winning the war. Uh, that's not what you want. And when the soldiers came back, there was a big economic expansion. Uh, that ended ultimately the the recession then. I think that the goal here is not to be able to say, you know, let's load the boat up with the stock of uh, Bank of America. I think the goal is to say that Bank of America is going to be open for business. Don't think about the franchise. Now, that's very different from 2007 where they didn't even think that was important. I mean, I remember dealing with policymakers in 2007 and they were saying, you know what, we're we're not going to it would be morally reckless to help Uh, Morgan Stanley. No, they're not doing that. I mean, they've learned their lesson. I think that they want to be sure that they're in sync with the uh, with Congress so they don't do anything that is wrong. I have continually told them in, in, in on background, guys, do it. And then apologize later. Don't be like uh, Ben Bernanke <laughs> and, and Treasury Secretary Geithner, which were saying. Well, you know, what? I can't do this. I can't do that because you know what is it? The Justice Department going to come after them. Their mothers. <laughs> I mean, they got to think. They got to think a little bigger. <laughs> I keep emphasizing think big when I speak to them. think big, think big. Right. And when they think small, Carl, I just I, I just want to wring their necks because they're just better than well, that. Uh,
1: as uh, as Fauci said over the weekend, if you think you're overreacting, you're probably doing enough, or maybe not quite enough. But it's going to feel
2: like you're overreacting, right? And that's what I think. Uh, Secretary Mnuchin really understands that, and they're not going to—they're not going to play the nicety game of you know what I—I'm very concerned about that uh, because someone might come after me because there is no someone. There, there is no someone. There is. There is no uh, fe- federal cop on the beat who says, Secretary Mnuchin, you violated the law. I mean, yes, there are issues right. involving uh, amend- uh, you know, the 11th Amendment, what the states, some states' rights issue. But in general, I think they're, they're ready to figure out, you know what, we're not going to use the law as a reason not to help people. We're going to use the law as a reason to help people.
1: So this morning, you mentioned you're watching oil. Uh, we're back above 29. Uh, do you believe that if the Fed's true mission on, on Sunday night was to narrow corporate spreads, and they do, in fact, narrow, that equities would follow?
2: No, not at all. I mean, I don't think that they're thinking about equities. Uh, I, they're, no, I know they're not thinking about equities. I think they feel that equities will uh, take care of themselves. Uh, as long as they keep the market open, people can sell because they need the money. Uh, but when it's over, uh, there'll be opportunities. Uh, but ta- they'll talk about it. I mean, in 2007 to 2009, in, in that administration... They always rebelled when I talked about stocks because stocks were for rich people. This administration doesn't feel like that. They're worried about the working person, including the working person who has a savings in, in the stocks. They don't have the contempt for uh, for entities that are just on the everyday side of doing business. Uh, and they're not just thinking they're not thinking about, you know what, this entity needs to be punished. That was so often the narrative. I remember the morning of Lehman when they were telling me, we got to punish Lehman. It, it, that was an interesting and quaint notion. Right. And we look back right. and, like, do we love them for punishing Lehman? Is that what we remember them for? No, we think they were <laughs> idiots for punishing Lehman. Because in retrospect, right. there was, it wasn't like that. You ended up punishing thousands of people who didn't do anything wrong. And this yeah. administration, or Secretary Mnuchin, is thinking about that. And I find that, I find that somewhat reassuring. It doesn't make me want to go and say, you know what, Proctor, at 72, I'm salivating. Kind of. <laughs> well, that brings me up
1: to the other topic this morning, Jim, which is the slew of upgrades. And I don't mean to uh, – I know this doesn't sound appropriate given the moment we're in. Right. But today, upgrades of CAT, Clorox, Las Vegas Sands, Verizon, Domino's, eBay, Altria, USB, Costco. Some of them make sense. But is this is this the time to be reading this? Early.
2: They're early. I read through all of those. Uh, I mean started the morning early like you did, Carl. And I'm thinking, well, now is the time to – you know, to, to make a big bet, I mean, like some of these guys were actually even upgrading oil companies. I didn't see a single upgrade that I thought made any sense whatsoever. I, as a matter yeah. of fact, the opposite. I said, when well, you keep your powder dry. You don't know whether we're going to be, you don't know how much we're going to be down today. I mean, is today the day where we're going to be down 13? Is today the day where we're going to be down 20? Why not wait and see? I mean, I'll give you an example. There's a, and I don't mean to pick on Jeffries, but let me pick on Jeffries. Uh, this th- is Las Vegas a, Sands. Yeah, no, Las Vegas Sands. Um, what, who's the full faith and credit of what there? Sheldon Adelson? You've got to be full faith and credit of, uh, of these companies. No, of Caterpillar. I like Caterpillar. They're a good company. If they trade to some level where it's an accidental high yield, that's fine. I don't want to buy a single company where the numbers are too high. And Carl, with the exception of Clorox, I G&P did not Morgan. see a company where the numbers may be, uh, uh, the, the estimates are reasonable. I think they're all too high except for Clorox, where they could go higher. I'm raising numbers Clorox. Uh,
1: The Jeffries call on Las Vegas Sands, the title of the report is Safe to Play in Traffic. And their point is, of the companies we follow, we have the clearest view of LVS two to three years out. To, yeah. So, the duration
2: of patience is remarkable. Well, look, I mean, they're obviously more patient than the people who own the stock. Uh, look, I, I think that what you have to think about here is, is you can think two to three quarters out. When I'm looking at our companies that say, uh, if they go down a great deal, but you still need their product, that's an opportunity. Let's take Verizon because it's neutral. Uh, do I think that Verizon's a buy? At a certain level, yes, because they're in the mix of things that you have to have. Do I think uh, that certain department stores are uh, essential? No. Do I think casinos are essential? No. So I, do I think Carnival Cruise is essential? No. Uh, they may want to be able to keep these companies alive, but I don't think that means they want to ensure the common stocks. I don't hear anything about that.
1: Yeah. Finally, Goldman's David Koston, a combination of tools suggests S&P trough at 2,000 which is down 26 right. from here, down 41 from the high. We still expect year-end 3,200, which would be up 18 from here. Well, How in the world are these guys coming up with calls like this? We love David, but
2: we're talking massive well, assumptions, aren't we? I, I was joking with, with David. I, I so much love the front call uh, because I think that that's a reasonable uh, expectation. I had thought that we would take out the December 2018 low, which was the one that— uh, we briefly touched on that in the pre-market on Friday. Remember, December 18 was a time of great crisis because that was a Jay Powell uh, kind of uh, really doing a little too much there on the tightening side. But no, I, I, the other side, I was saying to David, look, there's no need to it. I mean, when I speak to the Treasury Secretary, we don't have to speculate where we're going to be uh, when we beat this thing. When we beat this thing, there will be a tremendous amount of pent-up demand. So when you sell here what you're betting is we're not going to re- reopen anytime soon and these companies are going to lose. I just want to be careful. I, I look at companies and say, who's essential and who's not? And I think a lot of us went over the S&P this weekend. Is Occidental. Occidental. Uh, do we need Occidental, which is obviously the poster boy for, for lunacy here? No. I mean, do we need Gap stores? No. Do we need Wells Fargo? Yes. I mean, you go down and you look at the yields and you say, well, which ones are the ones that we absolutely need? And then you say, OK, well, who has got the most steady? Uh, and I would come back with Altria and Clorox. And maybe I like uh, Procter. I really do. I like the consumer product companies because you need them. And because when you go to the supermarket, you see uh, a lot of Campbell's soup and is being bought. So, I mean, I yeah. spent a lot of time at the supermarkets this weekend just to see what people were taking. They're, they're not booking uh, cruise ships there, but they are taking a lot of soup cans. Yeah. Uh,
1: I, people should – I just want to remind our viewers, uh, Jim has been uh, cautious since Super Bowl Sunday. It's nice, Jim, that we can go, actually go back and trace the date because that's when you talked to Tepper yeah. uh, in Miami. And, uh, and your views uh, have a lot of credibility going into the chapter we are entering.
2: I, I remember uh, so discussing with David. and I said, well, you know, look, things are so bad – I guess I can't go to the game. I gotta go back and he said, Yeah. So I left. <laughs> I didn't see the game. I brought back the tape. <laughs> it, was, it was kinda there's a little pyrrhic down there, go down there, interview Tepper and then get on a plane back. It looked like a good yeah. game, Andy Reid, congratulations. But yeah, I mean I've been I've been so nervous since then. I'm not saying I'm not nervous now. I am saying that when things happen that you expect, you can't suddenly say, you know what, I'm scared to death. Instead what you're saying is, Okay, I'm gonna try to stay healthy, I'm gonna go home and Kiss my wife, try to relax, read some research, yeah. go back to work. Uh, just true. hopefully when I kiss her, she doesn't have it. and I don't have it.
1: No, no. I, look, Jim, uh, we all had our temperature taken when we entered uh, the NYSC today. That's the new normal. And <laughs> it does help you understand the guardrails we're going to have to put up. I, right. I, I all have, over, I, every
2: corner of our life. I, was t- I had my wife. I had one of those weird things in your head. It was better than a rectal. But I mean, you know, I like the ones that go on here, but I have the one on the head and she's doing this. And every four hours, she goes, Jim, if I'm going to have to do this the rest of my life, every four hours, forget it. We're going to be in different places. So I said, <laughs> you know what? Maybe I'll wait till I'm hot. She goes, well, that would be a practical thing to do. Can we also be practical? I like the idea that we want to protect ourselves from others. And I think it's absolutely great what the exchange is doing. But I, she regarded my let's take my temperature every four hours as a sign of panic. I, I, I've come around to thinking she's right. Not a strategy, as we
1: always say. Uh, Jim... Let's check in with Kate Rogers at HQ, get the latest on the coronavirus today. Morning, Kate.
3: Hi, good morning, Carl. Confirmed cases topping 169,300 worldwide with more than 6,500 deaths. Europe is now the center of the pandemic. In Italy, hardest hit outside of China, officials on Sunday reporting the number of deaths jumped 25 percent over the prior day. That's the biggest uptick of any country we've seen yet. The number of deaths there now at 1,809. The U.S. has added the U.K. and Ireland to its European travel ban, and the CDC recommending the cancellation of any events with more than 50 people for the next eight weeks. State and local officials issuing new restrictions aimed at curbing the spread of the virus. Schools have closed in 33 states, California, Ohio, Massachusetts, and New York City also closing bars and restaurants. America's top infectious disease official, Anthony Fauci, urging Americans to stay home, saying that new guidelines on curfews and social distancing will come later today. Warning of a spike in deaths if behavior does not change. The White House's coronavirus task force is promising a major increase in the availability of testing this week, rolling out 1.9 million tests to 2,000 sites. An increase in confirmed U.S. cases now at more than 3,700 and deaths at 69 is expected. For much more on this, check out CNBC.com. They have a live coronavirus blog that's been fantastic and they will continue to update as we move ahead, guys. Back over to you. All
1: right, okay. Thank you for that. Uh, Jim, I do want to turn to you on uh, some Regeneron headlines this morning. Working with Santa Fe. Um on uh, a trial for severe COVID-19, uh, the U.S. trial will begin enrolling patients
2: immediately. How closely are you watching some of this? I'll have Regeneron on this evening. I spoke with him this wow. weekend. Uh, I have to tell you that of the companies that are uh, ahead, I think Regeneron's well ahead. But that's also because, remember, they had the first one for Ebola, uh, and, and they have a very seasoned team. By no means it, it, by no means at all is Len Schleiber trying to reassure me. He's just saying, listen, we're just constantly working on this and it's our bailiwick. Uh, it, this is a company that works on these. So I, I think that they're that's very early that they're doing. I mean, that, that's really ahead of the game. I can't wait to speak to them tonight. The biggest problem, obviously, is when you do a vaccine, you have to titrate. You can't just suddenly uh, do a vaccine and then load people up with something that kills them. Uh, so even if they're doing that, that's still in record time. But we have to always be sensitive to the idea that in our country we do not uh, put something that can kill you in your body. And we're pretty sure that, it, that they're not doing it themselves. They're not killing you uh, unnecessarily. I think no, no I, don't, I,
1: I don't mean to harbor any illusions about the, the speed of this. But uh, you do want to look for signposts of progress on social distancing, these new CDC guidelines what? and no gatherings of 50 plus. Uh, the trials on
2: the vaccines we're going to eventually need, right? Yeah. Look, I think that. When I listen to a, a, a lot of the coverage, uh, I really come back to the one thing that's been missing, which is the notion that we are going to solve this uh, ahead of the weather, ahead of what they did in 2018 when it just the, the, the thing went away. Uh, we have really, really good people who are ahead of the game. Uh, Len Schleifers, Regeneron again, which will be on tonight. They, I, I, I'm confident they actually will have something. Uh, when people say, you know what, when Dr. Fauci says, in by that point, X will have a vaccine, what he's talking about are things like what Regeneron's doing, which is to say, okay, every second they're working on a vaccine. I know when I speak to the Moderna people, they're quite confident they have something. I do uh, have a little more faith in Regeneron just because they were well ahead in, in Ebola, uh, and that they wanted to come on tonight shows me that they're not. They're not screwing around. They've got something. So I think you're right. I mean, social distancing. I, yes. You don't see anyone near me. And I'm as concerned. Or did, I wear, did I wear right, or you? I mean, did I wear the gloves? I mean, do all the things that you're supposed to do. Uh, yeah. Is it nauseating to do it? You just have to do it. The life has changed. But yeah, I mean we want to stay healthy, but then we also have to count on our institutions like places like Regeneron to be working on things and that's what they're doing. So I wish that people would not think, you know what, we just have to wait for Mother Nature to run their Mother Nature, wow, thanks. To run <laughs> Mother, Mother Nature on the wrong side of the equation right now. Um, we, we we just have to wait it out. I, I think that what we can do as a network is focus on companies. That are so so in sync with what we need. Uh, Doctor right. Fauci is not going to come out and say, "Don't worry about it." And uh, and Mayor De Blasio, may I have to close my restaurants tonight. Well, big deal for me, but you know that's a lot I, of money I, for I, small we, people. I was thinking about you. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, weekend, I, like yeah. I try to think, how long can we keep people? We'll keep people on for as long as we can. I would like to, when I speak to the Treasury Secretary, they're talking about target stimulus for just the kind of outfits, not for me, but for kind of outfits that we're talking about, to keep people on the payroll. But I really think, Carl, that when we hear that uh, it's just going We have to let it run its course, that, that denigrates some people who are so good and are working so hard and, I think, come up with something. And I, I have well, tremendous it, respect for them. It, it's interesting you said that because the rally on Friday
1: uh, coincided with the appearance of McMillan of Walmart in the Rose Garden And Cornell from Target. Right. Uh, Talk of Google, at least, although the messaging on that was arguably poor. Navarro today talking about FedEx's uh, Fred Smith helping him get some uh, materials back to this country. LVMH making hand sanitizer for the French. How much is the market looking to corporate America for response?
2: uh, a great deal, I guess, in that sense. And I just want to correct. With Virginia I are moving to tomorrow. We have CVS because CVS was in the White House garden. We want to find out what CVS is doing. Uh, we have Thermo Fisher, which is also involved with this. Oh, so also Virgin- good. Also good. Yeah, yeah, they're also involved. I'm looking to Thermo. I'm looking to CVS and seeing what they're capable to do uh, because they were one of the companies that were in the Rose Garden. I'm looking to Dow, just, Dow Chemical, just because I, I think that uniquely we're looking at high yielders trying to figure if they can make, make the money. And then Regeneron tomorrow, we'll be able to say, OK, how far along are you, are you actually? Uh, those of us who actually run tests, I, I have run tests. Regeneron tomorrow, yes. Uh, I, I have run some tests and done some work in the medical community. I can't believe the speed they're going. I mean, I, I, just to work on a drug that I've got, uh, which I think doesn't hurt anybody, it took seven months just to get to the point where we can even think of enrolling people. Uh, this is so rapid, I can't believe it.
1: Yeah, it's, it's incredible. Uh, all of us are learning a lot about biotech in ways we never expected. Yeah, you know, course. So you have to, <laughs> you have to
2: these, these companies, they weren't set up for this. I mean, they're set up to be able to take a long route, you know, the long route, you're not allowed to front run things. You're not, the FDA usually just makes it say, listen, when you get this in, the review board and when they sit down and they do the 40 questions, you'll come back to us in seven months and then we'll run a trial. And two years later, we might find the results. And uh, I hope you're ready to spend 500, 500 million. Boy, we're not getting that at all, Carl. Not at yeah. all.
1: No. Nope. Uh, no. Um, I mean, emergency authorizations are now the norm yes. out of the FDA in the past week, which has been amazing to watch. We're going to watch circuit breakers at the open. Uh, and for that, we'll turn to Bob Bassani this morning. Hey, Bob. Good
0: morning, guys. And uh, everyone here at the NYSE is, is at work. You see the people behind me. Uh, obviously, we had some temperature checks. I'll show you some B-roll in a moment here. But let's review the circuit breakers. We've done this several times in the last week or so. There's three levels, seven 13 and 20, level 1, 2 and 3, level 1 or 2 circuit breakers before 3.25 p.m. will halt trading for 15 minutes. After 3.25, there is no market halt unless you drop 20%. And that would halt for the rest of the day. A little convoluted, I know, but these were the circuit breakers and they were instituted. These changes were instituted back in 2013. Uh, a lot of concerns, of course, that we are limit down. We've been limit down in the future several days last week. But remember, the ETFs continue to trade and they have been very good at sussing out roughly where the market's going to be. We saw this on China. They were closed for a week or more and we saw the Chinese ETFs here trade with remarkable accuracy. Right now, the S&P 500 SPY, SPY, that's the biggest ETF. ETF closed at 269 on Friday. You see it at 240 right now. That would ac- imply a decline of somewhere at 10 and a half to 11 percent. It's been bouncing around a little bit. Triple Qs, also another ETF, uh, Diamonds DIA, also implying similar uh, declines that we've seen. Uh, a lot of people trying to figure out bottoms over the weekend. We know for sure this is not working right now. You see all of this up and down here. Uh, down Big Monday, up on Tuesday, down on Wednesday, down on Thursday. Up on Friday, Uh, stock pickers pride themselves on pattern recognition. A large part of uh, technical trading is based on this, but obviously that's not going to be working, and we need to figure out some sense of when uh, uh, infections might begin dropping. Obviously, that's got to be at least several weeks away. You heard from Wolf talking about the banks. Most of the banks set to drop uh, in the mid 15s Let's call it 15, 18 percent. Citigroup, Bank of America, Morgan Stanley, J.P. Morgan, all suspending buybacks. Finally, we were all greeted with a rather remarkable sight this morning coming to work at the New York Stock Exchange. All of us were required to take temperature checks. So these were checks through the forehead. They're remarkable just watching them do this. Uh, But we all had to fill out a form uh, asking us if we were working on the floor. If we were, the form asked us whether we had a temperature, whether we were ill, whether we had been outside uh, the country. Uh, This is what the modern world looks like right now. But the New York Stock Exchange is going to open. Trading will open. but will perhaps be a trading halt uh, at the open. But nonetheless, throughout the day, the markets will be trading. It's the new normal. But, again, uh, as far as I can see, this is a, a pretty full contingent of people here on the floor. Carl back here. Our,
1: our Eunice Yoon working on another piece about this chapter, that she's already been through, Bob, and says it gets better. Uh, so we're waiting for her to finish her piece and get that up I on will. .com. Let's get to Kramer's Mad Dash and get uh, before the market opens. Jim, what are you watching?
2: Yeah. Again, I, I think that the pressure point is no longer in the, look, the, the Treasury market, which we can focus on. But I think that j took that off the table. The pressure point, I think, is oil. Uh, and there's a note by RBC Capital today, I never thought I'd see this, which is taking ExxonMobil from hold to sell, uh, really saying that, that this is a company that is not set up for the lower oil prices. I think those of us who know Exxon from the days of Rex Tillerson would find this an unbelievable thing that we actually have to focus on on Exxon as a company that we need to worry about. Uh, I think that they need oil higher than 30. They don't have it. Uh, I think that oil could go to 20. Uh, so I'm saying that that when you see a company as fine as Exxon uh, being, de- being downgraded to sell, you've got to be very careful with that group because a lot of that group has very, very high yields. And I think a lot of people are looking for yield, and I'm urging you to look for yield away from oil. Do not trust the oils. Interesting. Don't buy uh, them.
1: I wanted to ask you, Jim, about the Saudis today, Uh, Aramco CEO assessing, as we know by now, uh, their ability to raise capacity to 13 million barrels a day. Uh, We can sustain low prices for a long time, they argue.
2: I mean, what do they sense vulnerability? Yes, they really do. I mean, look, they're not our friends. The Russians are not our friends. Uh, It's every person for itself in the in the oil business. Uh, And I'm looking at these and I'm thinking these are very, very fine companies. There are a lot of people trying to figure out the real break even points. Uh, There are people who are triaging certain stocks, Occidental's being triaged. People just realized that they borrowed too much money and and they don't have it. So let's stay away from those. Don't reach for yield. Now, some other things I went over with the Treasury secretary. Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, look, he, he's very grateful for j Powell. A lot of people feel like where's j Powell versus where the president is. And I know the president, uh, is, at least through Secretary Mnuchin, has is, is finally recognized that, that that Mr. Powell has gotten ahead of things. And that's very important. Uh, I do think that, again, the stimulus is going to be focused On small businesses and keeping the working people in jobs, Uh, liquidity for small businesses is the chief priority. The chief priority is about putting food on the table for individuals. Uh, I think that a lot of people who watch the stocks would say, well, what is the impact of that on stocks? And I would say nothing. Uh, They're not trying to save anybody. They're just trying to make sure that the employees get paid. Uh, it, that is uh, an attitude I think that both Republicans and Democrats are probably going to agree to. Uh, and I think that Secretary Mnuchin is, uh, because he was a trader, because he understands the markets, and he also has a, a touch to recognize what, uh, Sec- what what Speaker Pelosi likes, it, it makes it so that there's a lot more unity down there than it may seem.
1: Interesting. Uh, the bank suspension of
2: buybacks, Jim, is that mostly about optics and not about uh, balance sheets? Yeah. I mean, look, it's very hard to go borrow. You'll them borrow at the discount window to go buy stock. Uh, the banks are going to have big yields. Uh, the banks, I think, are a better place to go than the oils. But I don't know at what level they're, uh, they're intriguing. I mean, y- y- let's y- you get a Wells Fargo run by Charlie Scharf and you say that yield is probably uh, good because the dividend has actually been the same the whole time. Obviously, the stock has fallen a lot. Do I want to bank with Charlie Scharf? If I have to bank with someone, I would. But I recognize that anytime time you said anything good about a financial institution in 2007, you ended up uh, being looking uh, a little bit li- <laughs> li- ill-advised. You look ill-advised. Yes. Uh, there is the opening bell. And the S and P 500
1: at the CNBC Real Time Exchange With the big board. It is Chris Taylor, Vice President of NYSE Listings at the Nasdaq Foster Pride, helping children and teens in New York City foster care. So we're going to watch for 2521. That's your first circuit breaker, uh, and at 2490, Jim, it'll be halted at the open. Yeah,
2: I mean, look, remember we had that weird short squeeze in the last hour, Carl, and you knew that that had to be wiped out. Very people were able to get there for those prices. Uh, I, I would be in no hurry. But one of the things I, I tweeted this morning was like, if it goes down the limit every single day we'll be by Friday, we don't have to worry about much. And I'm, <laughs> I'm being a little facetious. But let's take into account that there are people who need their money and, and they yep. need their money and they're not needing their money and saying, you know what, I, I, I think that this is the level where I, I want to take a big swing uh, at General Mills, which reports this week. I think what they're saying is I need my money. I don't care. And they're usually using S&P. Uh, and because it's S&P, they're going to create, uh, create values because not all stocks are created equal. Uh, we got 60 percent of the money is obviously an index. Uh, and so when you blow out index, you're blowing sure. out some companies that shouldn't be sold. No, it's
1: a, it's a dynamic
2: we have talked about for years Wondering when that, that reckoning would come. Obviously, we're in the thick of it now. Right. I mean, look, let's say Verizon is, it, we're looking at Verizon at 50. Uh, let's say it goes to 45. Do I want a 5% yield that's backed up by the full faith and credit of every single customer in Verizon and a good balance sheet? Yes, I do. I mean, that, that's, I like that. And yeah. it, why is it going down? Because it's in the index. It's not going down because anything's wrong with it. It's going down right. because we became an index nation. Because the industry convinced us that we don't know anything about individual stocks. I have always felt and dedicated my money the idea that you should have indices, but you should own some. But because of the craziness and lunacy that we see uh, where all stocks go down equally, uh, some stocks just, I mean, should Verizon trade like Southwest Air? And I, I, I like Gary Kelly so much. But the answer is not all stocks are created equal. And those who think they are created equal are doomed to be able to figure uh, to not be able to profit when this thing's over. Uh, by the way, notice I said when and not if. I mean, I don't think we're in a, per, a permanent state uh, of end of days. I just don't think that I'm sure even in 2018, in the month of October, where people were uh, where there were carts to carry people away. Uh, we're just not there. We're just not there. Yeah. Uh, your, your point's a good one,
1: though, about uh, about the swings. Peter Schack now is a great statistician of ours and says during the financial crisis from Lehman to the Haynes bottom. So September 08 to March 09. Uh, S&P had only one day where it fell more than 9%, and that was in October, and that was only 8.9%. Wow. Uh, the average daily move of the S&P was 25 So now where we got these 7% moves at the open, uh, you know, a couple times a week. That's why this feels more extreme.
2: Exactly. Well, we all love Peter, and I would say that uh, a lot of what you're seeing is dislocation. Remember, there are a lot of firms that are always on the wrong side of the trade, and they create opportunities because it's the hedge funds going wild. They don't know what to do. Uh, and, and I would urge people at home to say, you know what? These are companies. I mean, am I saying think like Warren Buffett? Well, Warren Buffett would say you got to do indices. And I really appreciate that. But the indices are not reflecting the real values. Believe me, I, I think that there are some very common sense companies. Now, two years ago, April, you had Amazon go to 1300 because the president decided he didn't like Amazon. Uh, Amazon is the way that we're getting our in just a two year period. uh, Amazon is where we're getting our goods. Uh, Do I think Amazon's a buy at sixteen hundred? I know Amazon's got, believe it or not, actually a great balance sheet now. And I think that there's a level where I want to own Amazon. Uh, I don't think it's here yet because I know it traded at thirteen hundred in April of uh, twenty eighteen. So why can't it go there again? I'm trying to figure out what stocks went to prices that I actually remember. And if I remember, that's probably too early to buy them.
1: It's funny, uh, Jim, you know, I don't want to, we can save politics for another day, but I wonder, given the antagonizing back and forth between Amazon and Navarro, Amazon and the the president, uh, is that an inhibitor for Amazon to use their supply chain expertise to our national advantage?
2: Well, that's a great question. I I think it would be, there is obviously political risk to Amazon, uh, but the, and if you felt that they didn't know what they were doing, there's another company that doesn't have political risk, which is Walmart, uh, that has a very, very good, really terrific uh, business and is uh, for uh, online. They're great online and offline. And obviously, they're committed to helping the president uh, witness Doug McMillan's comments. I think that it's very interesting what happened at that press conference. I know that Google was caught a little uh, blindsided. I think that yep. the executives uh, didn't go into that meeting expecting that the parking lots were going to be the place that people are going to get tested. They sure did leave thinking that, and they made a commitment. So I think that'll happen. I do think that people who think that if you go to Walmart on Route 22, which is a very nice Walmart, by the way, I don't think that... <laughs> you're going to, that's the day. I mean, today's no, not No, no, I think
1: people, uh, the people understand. Like, this Google website is apparently, according to reports today, getting off the ground in Northern California. The messaging is hard, Jim. I mean, even yes. Lagarde had to backtrack her notion of, no, we're not here to narrow,
2: uh, narrow spreads. And she later essentially apologized for that. Well, look, I, I think there are a lot of things on the fly. I, one of the things you said, we don't want to do politics. Uh, there are many people who are very critical of everything. And, and I, I would point out that if you just step away from I me, mean, I watched the beginning of the uh, debate last night, and you know, it, 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 the, I'm not talking about the president. I'm talking about the people who put things in place. Like when you listen to Fauci, you listen to the healthcare people. I mean, these people are pretty serious, and what they're obviously focused on is flattening the curve, making sure that we don't all get sick at once, or hopefully not get sick. But that everything's being done on the fly. And I, why anyone would think that Jay Powell is now done? I mean. They're trying to anticipate everything that could go wrong. I think the thing they anticipated, and I'm so glad they did, was that last time around, people pulled a huge amount of money out of their banks, uh, right. and that it's, made the well, banking system really yep. unstable, and they just that didn't was, want that.
1: Al Arian's point this morning was about sequencing, and as we're talking, Jim, FDIC and the OCC uh, are joining the Fed and urging banks to borrow at the discount window. Uh, our Steve Liesman says it's an incremental move, but definitely worth the mention.
2: Yeah, um, look, I, I just think that everybody is focused on making it so that the banks function and the treasury market functions. And then when they're done with that, they're going to look at other things. You know, they only have so much thought power. Uh, I, 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 there are hedge funds out there who think they know everything. I'm sick of them, frankly, because they always seem to oh, know well, more than we do. And then they turn out to not do. When you're a billionaire, yeah. by the way, you don't really have to focus on the things that the people who have $400 in the bank account do. These people have long since forgotten what it's like to have 400 bucks in their bank. Uh, I think Jim, that,
1: we, we've, that's what the word is. Yeah. No, no, we've l- last few years. I mean, a, a well-known statistic has been the percentage of households that don't have 400 in emergency yeah. savings.
2: And that's where the helicopter money
1: is going to have to go.
2: Exactly. I mean, that's what I, mean, I would love to hear from Speaker Pelosi. I uh, tried to get her on on Friday because you try to figure out where the common ground is. Uh, we know that uh and Church- Secretary mm-hmm. was actually joking about how many times he spoke with her. But the Treasury Secretary doesn't want to get ahead of Congress. And Congress, uh, from what I can tell, is trying to help the working person, too. Uh, there are many people who, are, who uh, are actually quite surprised that there could be such a, um, a convivial attitude uh, between the two. Uh, but Secretary Mnuchin is, is not an ideologue. And, and Speaker Pelosi wants to be sure that the money gets in the hands of the people. So the really, when I speak to both of them, that's where I keep going. Even, look, I've got to tell you, I had... Uh, presidential candidate, former presidential candidate Warren on. It, there's not that much distance between any of these people because they all right. worry that the person, the working person, the $400 in the bank person is going to get hurt. No one is trying to figure out how to save Burger King.
1: Uh, we're going to talk about restaurants
2: in a little bit. Upgrade of Domino's today. Uh, you can sort of understand Domino's why. Domino's is a and very get- good system. And I think that that's predicated upon the idea that there won't be enough money for, for uh, the companies that are private uh, it, 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 there's not coming enough money for Postmates. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I think Postmates has got, it, it has got a decent situation. We, we know we've met some we've met the DoorDash people. Uh, DoorDash has uh, the, the backing of, of some very big firms. But if you felt that Domino's has long since felt that those guys are the bane of their existence. If those guys run out of money, then Domino's is terrific.
1: I agree. Uh, and we saw over the weekend, if you noticed, Jim, uh, they sent out an email offering contactless delivery where you don't have to actually really see or touch your delivery person that's just a sign of where we
2: are right, well that's the uh, chinese get... did that i mean at least they're not I mean, yeah. putting their thermometer on their head i mean exactly like exactly. my wife is
1: doing Let's get to Bob and see where we
0: are in the circuit breakers, Bob. And uh, I had a thermometer on my head this morning. It was an odd experience, but it it was effective. I got in, and uh, certainly it's a necessary step. Again, we want to review. I know we are all become scholars of circuit breakers in the last uh, week or so. Level 1, which is where we are right now, we opened down about 8% on the S&P. We'll reopen 946 or so. Uh, Eastern time here. That will halt trading for 15 minutes. Level 1 and Level 2 will kick in at any point up until 3.25 p.m. Eastern time. After that, there is no trading halt unless you drop 20%. Then you halt trading for the rest of the day. I know it's a a little convoluted, but all of us have gotten used to the the business about this. We don't know where the market will open here. Obviously, we're down about 8% on the S&P, but the banks were weak this morning. They announced they're going to suspend. Most of the major banks are suspending their buybacks. Theory here that they're going to divert the money uh, into loans. Let's hope that is indeed the case. But you see these are pre-opens uh, on the banks here, rather severe drops overall. Uh, where's the support levels? Not necessarily mean a lot. I think the one thing here is 2,500. Uh, that was the roughly the lows that we saw last week. Here's a two-week chart of the S&P. But uh, 2,500 would be an important support level. There you see we're breaking that here. After that, you're looking back here at December 24th, 19. That was 25 thirty one there that was the uh, the close there twenty five thirty one on december twenty fourth and that was the important level here we 'll see if that uh, kind of numbers uh, uh, twenty three fifty one I, I beg your pardon twenty three hundred fifty one let 's see if that holds two three five one let 's see if that holds uh, uh, obviously here we 're just a little bit below that uh, above that right now let 's take a look at the what the debate is the parameters of the debate is it url shape that 's been the debate all throughout the week and the weekend the u shaped people uh, Argues that the service economy will bounce back in a few months. Uh, the L shaped crowd, which obviously has the ascendancy right now, is arguing the bounce is going to take longer and that small business will be affected for much longer uh, than just a couple of months. And as you can see, the market is acting like the L shape um, may be more likely than the U shape. We'll see if that changes around. By the way, the V shape is gone. You notice nobody's arguing about a V shape. It's interesting that we're having buy recommendations today on a number of stocks. Caterpillar, for example, upgraded to buy from Hold. Uh, over at uh, Stiefel. There are people who are trying to call bottoms at this point. Uh, I think it's a pretty bold uh, move, but you can see it's not really uh, working. That stock's still down. We're waiting for that to reopen. Uh, Clorox, maybe more understandably, was upgraded to an overweight at J.P. Morgan. We're going to reopen in about four minutes. I'll be back on the floor. Uh, Some of the stocks uh, may take a little longer because there's going to be some manual opens on some of the bigger names that are out there. So I'll be walking around on the floor Checking on the open. Guys, back to you.
1: Yep. It's nice to know the floor is uh, well populated and uh, monitored uh, temperature-wise coming in, as we said earlier. Jim, you were mentioning uh, liquidations earlier. I mean, gold's off 62 bucks. Is that a part of that story?
2: Yeah, I mean, deflation. Uh, once again, I just you know, feel like that when we speak to Secretary Mnuchin, I want to just understand that they're looking at things that people say, why didn't they look at You know, looking at commercial paper, they're looking at liquidity. And and I I just think that anyone who's selling stocks on the basis that they don't know what they're doing uh, is really missing the point. I mean, even to the point where they just look, they're just in touch with us constantly. And they're in touch with us because they're very much aware that what they can't solve, they're going to go to Congress today on uh, because they want the authority. Obviously, there's some authority issues. Uh, but it's a de- very much of a deflationary situation, Carl. And I, like, do I, I mean? Look, if I had to advise people about what to do at the very moment, I mean, gold is under a lot of attack. Uh, if you really believe that where we are is um, uh, at a moment that is that is apocalyptic, obviously you buy gold. I don't. I just don't share that. I mean, look, I, I. I just nobody don't. wants to go there, Jim. No, I mean. Look, I mean, it is difficult when you're trying to figure out whether to have a studio at your home and say, well, geez, I got to get that cleaned up and maybe take that poster down. Uh, But I I do want to point out again that. Uh, Other than Italy, and Italy is a great quandary to me because I've used their health care system in several instances. And, wow, it's a good one. So I think it's other than the fact of a lot of people being old and they have a lot of uh, people smoke. I I keep trying to figure out when will Dr. Fauci tell us why we're not Italy. That would be terrific, but he's not going to do that because he doesn't want to reassure us.
1: People point to smoking, pollution, the degree to which the elderly live
2: with family members, Jim, in ways they don't necessarily in this country. Yeah, Dr. Fauci, I mean, you know, a lot of the, uh, the people in, in health know that, that the, the major reasons why people got sick in China in such clusters is because one person gave it to the rest of the family. And I'm sure that's the case in our situation, too. Uh, that's yeah. going to happen. But I, I look at what uh, I'm still not seeing opportunity yet is what I'm saying. There will be. I get, I've, but I, I've got to tell you, Carl, if we're going to take out all those all these different circuit breakers and, and then take them out. Let's see. You know, we, you know, there is a day called tomorrow and, and you're going to come in. And you're going to say, well, no, wait a second. The calmer heads have said that the, a lot of the hedge funds that got blown out between 12 and 2, which is when they'll have to do uh, meet their margin call, they did their yep. second level of selling. And now I'm going to pick and choose. It's just that we're so index-oriented, Carl. And it's so difficult. Know.
1: Not just that, though, Jim. A White House briefing has now been moved to 330. Ooh. And the fact that it will happen during market hours, it's up to you to interpret.
2: Well, I, I, let's just say that uh, if it's Secretary Mnuchin, I feel that he's very much aware of exactly what we're saying and where the markets are. Uh, They do need to have something with Congress today. We need to be able to say that there's no spitballing, that what they've done is try to figure out what what was over, what, with Dodd-Frank, what what has made it so that they're clearly limited, uh, and, and they're trying to get that taken back very quickly. Right. All right. So
1: there's the bell. Uh, trading resumes. Uh, S&P down 253. We're going to watch this all very closely, Jim. Bob was looking at that chart, and we did talk last week about December 18 levels as a marker. Is that st- how relevant is that in your mind this morning,
2: Jim? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to get the sense of what's going on there in Washington. Oh, yeah. Uh, just why? Yeah. Yeah. Doing my best here. Uh, I, I highly unusual. I just think that these levels are, they're just things that I do want to buy today, uh, but they're just not down enough. Let me give you a classic example. Let's say j and J. I I mean, here why I'd pick up J&J, AAA balance sheet, okay, best balance sheet in the world, okay, in the world, better than Warren Buffett. And I look at it, and it only yields 3%. And I say to myself, as much as I like Alex Gorsky, as much as I like so much about what they're doing, that is still not at the level down 14% for the year where I feel it's a, it's a layup. I want 4% yield. I want, I do. I want 4% yield. And if I stick yep. to my guns, I'm going to get it, Carl.
1: You may get it, Jim. You might. Um, we're going to watch that one. Let's well, While we have time, and as the S&P is down 277, let's check in with Rick Santelli. As you know, the CME has closed the trading floor until further notice as a precaution to reduce large gatherings in the wake of the virus. Uh, Rick, we did get Empire, and we might as well get used to numbers like that.
4: Yeah, can you do that? Absolutely. Do you want to, what's the to we we call? should get used to these numbers. They're going to be like this and they're going to get worse actually. But remember, and first of all, it is really weird people to be talking without all the background traders and the noise in the background. Thanks to the CME and our wonderful CNBC crew. Here we are bringing you all the important market information. But in the end, exactly how things are going to turn out, I can tell you this. When we start getting the data that really quantifies what we saw in today's empire, then all of a sudden we're going to be looking forward to the comps as things improve. They say there's no V bottom. There will be the right side of the V bottom. Whenever the coronavirus, of course, starts to retreat and it's going to happen at some point. Look at these one week charts and realize that all the extremes, especially in the fixed income space, were established on Monday, March 9th. So two year no yields. Here we sit right now. They're at thirty five basis points. So they're down, what, about 13. But you can see the low today intraday was twenty six Monday last Monday. It was twenty four. And that is a very significant bottom. One week of tens, It was thirty one last week. It was sixty two today. Twos to tens were approaching the high 40s, but today is a major flattener. What, 38 now, tens minus twos? And if you look at 30-year bonds, this is the most important maturity, in my opinion, to pay attention to. One week ago, their intraday low was 69. Now it's 125 was the low, and it's moving higher. It's all the way back up to 136. Finally, let's look at boons Overseas. They've had four higher yield close in a row today, maybe the fifth. And the dollar index has had four higher closes in a row, but it doesn't look like today's going to be the fifth. Remember, in my opinion, the Fed could do all they want. The key issue for global markets is to satisfy dollar demand. And I think many of the programs initiated by the Fed, especially swap lines, these are going to be ultra important in the grand scheme of things. Carl, Jim, back to you. That's a great springboard, Rick. Uh, thank you, uh, Rick
1: Santelli, in his new environment. Jim, let's talk about that dollar swap, because we didn't really get to that uh, on, uh, on Powell's presser. Yeah, look, I,
2: I, I understand exactly where—I I, I think I understand exactly where, where Mr. Santelli's coming from. I mean, and, and he wants to make sure that that's uh, the issue, is the dollar. Some people want to make sure that the issue is the buck uh, at the mutual fund. Some people want to make sure it's commercial paper— uh, I would just say that all these issues are not, uh, let's say, they're on the table, and the Treasury's not obtuse. And so, if it, 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 you, know, you don't want a Dutch boy situation, you don't want Secretary Mnuchin and his team say, "All right, got to put, put my finger in this one. i got to put my finger in this one." What I'm saying is, is that they see what we see, and that this is—it's about attitude, Carl. The attitude in 2007, 2008 was, you know what? It serves you right. Uh, That was Treasury, and the Fed was, we're good, what's the issue? This is not the case. We've got a Federal Reserve that clearly understands what went wrong in 2009. We have a trader who is who is the Treasury secretary who is saying, yeah, absolutely, we're going to be able to deal with these things. And uh, yes, the one thing that they're not talking about is how is what is the ratio of people who get sick versus people who spread it? I mean, they're all trying to say, look, we're going to handle the financial side. Uh, We can't handle the. Virus side. That's other people. And while uh, Rick says that it's the dollar and other people saying it's commercial paper, believe me, what they're saying is we're going to hold it together financially, but you got to hope that we hold it together biologically. And that's what I think that when we get in the, in the, in the weeds is we worry about individual programs because this is not like 2007. They are listening. They are hearing what Rick is saying. They're saying, you know what, we're going to, yep. we're interested in that. Do I even ask them about hospital beds? Okay. All right, so
1: to follow through on, on that line of thinking, Jim, if we go with Gottlieb's, it sounds like his base case, which is a peak in late April or early May, people are investors, markets
2: are going to need to have stamina for a matter of weeks, right? Absolutely. Uh, so what you're looking for, I would say, are companies that are selling through cash, or companies that have the ability to survive no matter what because there's demand for their products. And I think that that's the way you want to analyze a stock. You want to say essential, non-essential, essential, essential, non-essential. And we know a lot of companies are non-essential. Is is the third-tier oil company that we all knew as being, say, a $40 stock, is it essential now at $2? No. We're going to speak to Phil Lebeau. The question is, we need an airline system. Nobody's denying that. But do we need an airline system where the companies make make a lot of money? Well, that's not what the president's thinking about. And I think we have to think, all right, what company without help from the government will get through to the other side? And that is probably going to be a buy. I
1: feel like Annie Hall here because uh, I happen to have Phil Lebeau right here. Phil, what do you think?
5: Uh, Jim brings up a good point. Uh, I do know this. Strictly when you look at the the cash situation for the airlines, they are in dire situations right now. doesn't matter which one you're talking about. When you talk with the executives, the tenor has gone from, well, this is going to be a rough patch to, whoa, this is really bad. How bad? Look at the capacity cuts. You've got American cutting 75% of its international flights. United announcing last night 50% of its system is going to be brought down. Delta bringing down 40% of its system. And listen to the commentary from the CEOs. Let's start first off with United. Last night, CEO Oscar Munoz sending out a note. He says... It is getting worse. That's what he's talking about when he says the situation with demand. Delta CEO last week says negative net bookings for the next four weeks. And then you have American. It's grounding 90% of its long-haul planes, sitting them down completely. They're not going to be flying anytime soon. Finally, Southwest, it has not yet cut its summer schedule. That's the one we're going to be looking at today, seeing what happens. And, of course, Jim, we're also watching to see if the White House says anything about further travel restrictions. I kid you not, Jim, I have not heard this type of tone from executives in the, auto, uh, in the airline industry since shortly after 2001 and 9-11. That's the last time I heard them with this level of concern in their voices.
2: Yeah, that's absolutely right. And what, what really uh, concerns me, Phil, is that they don't have any control of their situation. It's, their destiny right. is sealed by others. And, Phil, when I listen to you, what I say to myself is, Wow. Which one of these is is not thinking about the loss they're going to take this quarter, but is thinking about, okay, how do we come out on this the other side, even if it means that we that
5: the shareholders are not rewarded? Right. And think about these airlines. Fixed cost, Jim. They've got equipment trusts. You know, they've mortgaged some of their aircraft. Well, how are they going to be making those payments? Now, look, they're fine for the next month or two. But increasingly, they need the revenue. United Airlines. $1.5 billion less in revenue this March compared to the March of last year. I mean, that is ridiculous. They they are hemorrhaging cash. That's why when you listen to these CEOs and when you hear what's coming out of the White House, there's a bit of a disconnect there. Yeah, the White House says we're going to stand up for the industries like the airlines. Well, the airlines are saying, "Uh uh-uh, this is not enough to say you're going to stand up for us. It needs to be done quickly, real quickly, as in soon, like this week. (coughs) So yeah. I'll be curious to see what happens. Uh, maybe the
1: White House will have something to say about that at 3.30. Jim, uh, Fitch did take Boeing to negative credit watch uh, on Friday, I believe. Uh, I mean, there are going to be implications for long-term orders as well, right, especially given what we've already been through on the max.
2: Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm in touch with Boeing, and I know that uh, they're a pressure point in the system. I know that the Treasury Secretary and the President are focused on Boeing in a positive way, obviously, Uh, I know that uh, the CFO is very, very savvy. They took down the revolver. Uh, You do have to worry with Boeing. They have uh, manufacturing uh, suppliers all over the globe. So they have factories, uh, two factories in Italy. So what happens if the two factories in Italy close? Well, that means that they could have trouble making the Dreamliner. And the Dreamliners is what providing the cash. So uh, are they uh, on the red-hot griddle? Absolutely. Uh, I don't know how to take them off it. Uh, I would not recommend the stock here. I think that that would be um, ill-advised of me to do so. Right.
1: Is Phil still with us? Oh, he did. Okay, he stepped away. Uh, Yeah, I see Virgin Atlantic is asking staff uh, to take eight weeks of uh, unpaid leave. That's where, uh, obviously, obviously policy response is going to be key. Jim, uh, I mean, I know it's early, but 2400 did hold...
2: You know, look, you have to just pick, you have to look at the, at the components. And there are things that I think, again, that I do want to buy. I mean, I think that Verizon is cheap. Uh, I think that I'm trying to figure out whether Verizon is 50. Yeah, it's okay, it's not bad. Um, let's take a look at Proctor. You, 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 if you buy Proctor here, you're getting 2.74. That's not enough. I'm looking, I'm doing yield analysis. I'm looking for stocks that have an accidentally high yield because their, their stocks have fallen. And I'm looking for stocks that are not appreciably that far from their lows within the last two years. And, and, I and that a have thing. a reason for being in this and, new world order. Yeah. And then, that when the smoke clears or when the illness goes away, they're, they're necessary. Uh, Darden reports this week. I mean, that's a tougher one. I mean, do we need Olive Gardens? I think we need those people to, to have jobs who work there. I think that that's a secondary, you know, your first check down, if this is going to be uh, football, your first check down is to, is to look for companies that have a lot of cash that are going to be needed after the illness is conquered. Your second one is to say, all right, what companies have good dividends that have decent cash flow that I think can get through this? And then your third one is to say, I don't want any of these companies because they could be cash strapped. And there yeah. you're thinking about some retail retailers, restaurants, airline, travel, leisure, hotel. Those are very hard to reconcile. Yeah,
1: I'm looking at uh, point contributors, or in this case detractors, Jim. UNH is actually the biggest, uh, 209 Dow points. Uh, Boeing follows with almost 200 and Apple's third. Uh, Dow's got some quirks, we all know, uh, regarding um, price activity, price weight. Uh, But that's sort of where the the laggards are hurting us the most.
2: Right. I mean, you know, Apple's problem, it was it was at one hundred and seventy back in June of twenty nineteen. So it's kind of like there's another one where I say, well, I remember when that stock used to be uh, uh, much lower. Uh, UNH was lower during the period when when Elizabeth Warren was attack was attacking them. Uh Morgan chase obviously is an outlier that is very, very low, and that might be that might be interesting after after in a, in a couple of days might want to do that Boeing' a really? problem yeah. I, think Jay- I mean,
1: all right. I know I, I only ask because financials, I think, is the worst performing uh, sector. Oh, down 14.
2: But let's say JP Morgan had this decline uh, every day. Remember, day. Let's say it got back to 54. I mean, that's when Jamie Dimon made his big buy and called the bottom. I think that this this time may be similar. I know that's far away from here. Wells is very interesting because, again, it's Charlie, Charlie Sharf. He's rebuilding the bank, but it's still got its tremendous franchise. But you're right, Carl. I mean, one of the. I didn't want to put the banks on the, with the oils uh, it, because they just trade so awful for so long. But there's a level where they're interesting. They're not going to be as interesting as buying a, a staple, though, or, or buying a utility, yep. or buying a drug stock. Many of the drug stocks are very interesting to me.
1: Uh, real estate, the best performing sector today,
2: wow. uh, which is uh, down only uh, 8%. Jim, uh, so CVS tonight? Yeah, I've got CVS. I think let's see what how they're handling what's going on with the president. Uh, Thermo Fisher is the company that I think is has the tools to be able to uh, to win the war. And I think we should be calling it the war. Um, and then Dow Chemical. A lot of people are saying, what do you do with these companies that have big yields, Jim, that look like they can't be sustained? And I know that Jim Fitterling is going to explain to us uh, why that it may be an actual buy. Uh, there are other companies, by the way. DocuSign, okay, I really like that. I really like Zoom. Why do I like these? Because Carl, if I have to work at home, I'm going to need DocuSign. I did a DocuSign deal on Friday. I didn't want to deal with any of these bankers, are the last people I <laughs> want to touch. And then, you know, I mean, hey, you can only you can only have so many gloves when you're dealing with bankers. Uh, and then I, I think Zoom is well. How are we going to communicate? We we have to have Zoom, and Zoom is the winner here. Uh, when the smoke clears, people are going to forever have changed the way they do business. Turns out oh, yeah. to be he's pretty good at home.
1: Jim, stay healthy. Uh, we've never been more grateful that you're a germaphobe to begin with. Well, it just say, uh,
2: Carl, I got the thing. Hey, you know what? You got to go like this. You're supposed to take it to your hairline. Man, I'm going here and stuff. But no, I mean, <laughs> it's right to here. I wish they were a little more uh, sensible about the, the follicle challenge. You know how high you got to go. <laughs> yes. Uh, we'll see you tonight, if All not right. before. Our uh, Jim Kramer, off. thank you for your commitment and
1: your, uh, your energy. You've been listening to The Opening Bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.